0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. Michael Carey here with Kristen Carey. We were just having conversations about what this podcast would be like in this global medical crisis that we have found ourselves in. What we originally had planned on recording uh, is out the window. And that's kind of the world that we're living in right now is everything's at a constant... um, State of change uh what i just yesterday my plans for today um that i had plan I had planned for several weeks have to be changed all of it, and it's maddening it is causing anxiety and stress and a state of survival that so many of us find ourselves in as a result of this, and so we just wanted to talk a little bit about that and what it looks like to survive and to cope, uh, especially for those of us that are in recovery. Didn't you right. want to comment well, on that? Well,
1: today is March 16th that we're recording this podcast. And so who knows what will happen between today and whenever this episode is released. That's part of what is so anxiety producing about this coronavirus situation is the fact that things are constantly changing. A week ago today, I was going about my normal life. I knew there was a possibility schools could shut down, uh, but never did I realize how many dominoes would fall because of the implications of the spread of the coronavirus. And while we don't want this podcast to be all about the coronavirus, I'm sure all of you have done your research and are learning more about how it's spreading and how to stop the spread and what to do about it with your family. What we do want to talk about is how this impacts those of us who are in recovery, whether it's recovery from a sexual addiction, recovery from long-term affairs and the impact that that has had on your family, or whether you are the one who's experienced sexual betrayal and you are trying to recover from the impact of the betrayal. For all of us right now, we are living in an unprecedented unknown, and as Michael and I were talking about this just about an hour ago in planning for this podcast, I had a revelation of how many parallels and similarities there are between what our nation is going through, what our world is going through, and then on the microscopic level here, what each of us as individuals and as family units are going through. Uh, how many similarities there are between all the unknowns of this health crisis in our communities and in our world, and and the parallels between that and when sex addiction or infidelity blows up a family. It's crazy. All the similarities. Now there are also big differences. No, I'm going to start with some of those similarities, like when. Let's say it's the wife who discovers that her husband has been acting out sexually outside the marriage, whether with prostitution or ongoing pornography, chat rooms, affairs, etc. And she has had no idea that the problem was this big. Perhaps she stumbled across some pornography over the years or had little clues here and there that something was wrong. And it reminds me of when the coronavirus outbreak first started and we first started hearing about it and it was across the globe it had not arrived on our doorstep Mm -hmm. and how scary that was but yet not really impacting us and once it got super close to home and they started shutting down the school systems and i know there's neighboring states that are shutting down all the restaurants and bars and everything there's this domino effect of shutdown Similarly, when sexual betrayal blows up in a marriage and that becomes revealed, there is a complete and total shutdown and reorientation for that betrayed spouse and for the family unit.
0: Yeah, the the uh, the life and the world that they knew, uh, everything is turned upside down.
1: All the yeah. things that mattered before, like, should I cut my hair short or should I leave it long? What should I cook for dinner? All those trivial things you think about and decide on every day become like so insignificant, insignificant, unimportant. Because it's become a life and death situation with the betrayal piece. I mean, it's the life and the death, the life or death of the marriage is at stake. And similarly, many of us find ourselves wondering, is there a life or death situation on our doorstep for ourselves or for our loved ones and that is really really scary and it reorients us to how we're going to live our lives and the decisions we're going to make every day. So, you know, the the one huge difference that I I find really interesting about what we're going through today with the coronavirus is that we are dealing with this not just in our isolated family units but as a community as a city as a state as a nation and as a world and there there is something really beautiful that is happening that i'll just give you an example on friday i went grocery shopping it had been a good 3 weeks since i had stocked up at costco and we're a family of 5 we eat a lot of food we have two teenagers we all eat a lot of food and so i had a massive shopping list even with no coronavirus scare but this was the last day of schools schools were shutting down and I had a lot of things to get and and Costco lines were all the way backed up to the back of the store I couldn't even move my cart through and it was it was stressful but this older gentleman probably in his early 70s asked me what I needed to get through for and I said well I'm trying to get like water and stuff and he's like well do you want me to carry a case of water over here do you want to park your cart and I'll carry it for you And I just looked at him in disbelief and I was like, oh my gosh, that is so sweet. Yes, please. So people are offering to help one another. I had this really awesome time of talking in the line with um, an emergency room doctor and learned some really useful, great things as I was talking to her. I would have never had some of these connections or some of these experiences of people who are perfect strangers being able to reach out and help. But there is a camaraderie and a, a beautiful coming together because everybody knows that we're in this crisis together. And right. there is something really beautiful about that.
0: It reminds me of 9-11 and how yeah. people were coming together and working together and helping one another. And you were saying then this is different than... When a woman experiences betrayal, when she finds out that her husband has been using pornography or is in uh, caught up in an affair. And so those are ways that it's different. Right. Because
1: let's let's say in this case, just because we stereotypically often talk about the wife being the betrayed. But let's say a husband is the one who's been sexually betrayed and he discovers that his wife has been having a secret affair and his world has been turned upside down. He is going through that crisis completely alone. I mean, to go and tell other people about it, he risks ruining the reputation of his wife. And if he wants to restore their marriage, he's going to have to deal with lots of judgment from many different people about what people are going to think about his wife and what people are going to think about him. Because the betrayed spouse often has judgments made about them for example, like, well, they must not have been very good in the bedroom or their spouse would not have strayed or there must they must not be very emotionally available or their spouse would not have gone looking elsewhere. There's lots of myths that people believe about the person who's been betrayed and then the shame of it all for both the person with the addiction or the person who has had the affair and the shame for the, the betrayed partner. And that's so the The process is very much isolated and alone instead of linking arms together with a community. But that is part of what makes the communities that we run inside our ministry, men in the battle and women in the battle and wholehearted, so powerful is that you have the opportunity to link arms with other people who have had sexual integrity, struggles, or Mm -hmm. sex addiction. Yeah people who've experienced betrayal and you can come together with other people who can say, yeah, I know what this feels like. Mm-hmm. Let me help you. Yeah. Let me come alongside you and support you. So there are a lot of parallels and there are a lot of, of differences. And one thing that I think is really scary right now is how risky uh, the situation and tenuous the situation is for everybody that often we're in survival mode, just trying to scramble. I know I was scrambling, for a few days, just trying to get everything that my family needs should one of us get sick. And we stop thinking about each other. and We stop thinking about tending to and caring for our own hearts. And that is really a risk for people who are going through betrayal mm-hmm. or who are dealing with an addiction.
0: Yeah. Being in survival mode is kind of like uh, a version of fight or flight. And sometimes when we're there, we just have no idea what it is that we're really feeling. We... Uh, the stress and the anxiety, um, maybe we're not even aware of it. And then when uh, we have some downtime after this big wave of uh, the supermarket rush and the crazy frenzy over toilet paper and whatever else it is that's going on out there. I mean, um, you went shopping at Costco, by the way, on the day where everyone was at the store at All stores, well, here in Indiana, anyways, it was throughout all the stores. People were uh, standing in line before the store even opened. Um, I talked to somebody at Kroger and they said they they were there uh, all the way out in the parking lot. It was like grocery store Black Friday. Black Friday, yeah, right. Um, Black, um, yeah, what day was that? It actually was a Friday. It was a Friday. It It happened to be a Friday. Okay. Yeah, the new Black Friday. So the craziness of, of the frenzy and all of that starts to settle down, and that's when we um, uh, get get into some kind of a rhythm. You know, the expectation is now that things are going to change on a daily basis, sometimes on an hourly basis. Just uh, new rules, new um, techniques to safeguard your family and your children uh, come out, and it's, it's new. You know, people are quarantined uh, in isolation, um, either by choice or you know, if they're sick, you're forced into doing something like that. Uh, that puts uh, especially those of us who have suffered from addiction in a great risk. I know uh, this is the kind of time when people will start to search for relief instead of restoration. Uh, John Eldridge talks about that in his book. Um, get your life back and it's just uh, really interesting and how true that it is um, that relief is uh, some some of the first things that people reach for especially addicts so I imagine that during this time you know this uh, especially with isolation and then you know the amount of stress and anxiety that I mentioned people are gonna uh, we may see some relapse we may see people who are Um, being caught, you know, for the first time as well. And, and again, caught in their addiction, caught in their addiction, the behaviors, the behavior comes out maybe for the first time as, as well as uh, people who are in recovery um, start to go into isolation and they relapse or whatever it is. And, and so uh, I really think that, you know, as far as the relapse goes, I think that that can be prevented. I don't think that it is uh, mandatory for, for people to have to go through that. But, um, again, like you mentioned our groups, men in the battle and women in the battle and uh wholehearted as well for women who struggle with a sexual addiction, uh, sex and love addiction, these groups are there. And if we cannot meet face to face eyeball to eyeball, which, um, Kristen, you were talking about just before we, we hit record here, You know, that's the the best, the absolute best way to connect is in person. And if that isn't possible, some people may, uh, if somebody in their family gets sick, the whole family may be in quarantine and they can't leave the house or whatever it looks like. They can't uh, be in any kind of a group whatsoever. And, um, you know, we're going to look, thank goodness we have access to technology where we we have uh zoom and we can use technology like that and meetings where we can, we can still see each other. At least uh, we can talk to each other and see each other. It isn't like being in the same room together, but it is definitely, um, far better than isolation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, isolation is like total death for anybody with an addiction. I mean, when, when a person stays in isolation, um, And doesn't reveal their heart and talk about what they're going through with other safe people, that is almost a guarantee down the line for relapse. And in the meantime, they're probably just going to be white knuckling it, just holding on for dear life, trying not to act out. Um, But I don't want this to panic or or scare any of our betrayed spouses who are listening to our podcast right now. Uh, It's just to say that we do still need to encourage each member of the coupleship to really do a good job of managing stress, of not isolating, even if we are under a quarantine, that we still make it a, a priority to use the phone and reach out and talk to our support team. Um, and as the Betrayed Partner too, you know, isolation is also death for us. I mean, as human beings, isolation is just not what we were designed for. We were designed by God for connection. And yet we live in such a fast-paced, busy, crazy, hectic world that it isolation becomes the norm for our hearts. Now, we may be surrounded with people, but nobody really knows what's going on inside mm. of our hearts. In fact, yeah. so much so, we don't even know what's going on inside of our hearts. I know on Friday when I got home uh, from the shopping and I had learned new information about this virus that i hadn't realized in terms of how serious it really can be and and the far reaching implications really starting to hit home that i just wanted to curl up in a ball in the corner of my house i was like a like a plug that had been overloaded and had like you know what's that called Br- where you um you tripped the breaker i tripped the breaker Uh, in my brain uh i did i was like yeah i watched several tv shows that night i just which Mm. is just i mean one tv show is fine like that's Mm
0: -hmm.
1: normal and whatever was it
0: that kind of state that i said i was in before we started recording this podcast where there's so many things going on inside of my brain that i have to do and things that are changing that i just my, my head is swimming that i just uh i can't think about anything
1: yeah, I mean, I was really worried, but I didn't want to handle it and deal with my heart at that moment. Um, so I made a choice and after I got my kids to bed and watched a bunch of TV shows. And that was actually a little bit of a relief. Um, but again, we don't need relief, we need restoration. So the next day I was able to... Start spending some time with God and start turning all of this fear and anxiety over to him, which I'm realizing is a minute by minute uh, choice to not take on all the stress and the problems of the world. To limit how much information I'm allowing into my mind, how much news I'm reading and to keep myself informed without keeping myself inundated because there's only so much that I can control.
0: Hmm.
1: for myself and for my family.
0: Yeah. Well, if we never leave the house like uh and live in isolation, that ironically that's the way to stop the virus from coming into your house, isn't it? And don't allow any visitors. I mean complete and total isolation. And it's exactly the opposite of God's design for us. We are supposed to live in community. We have uh village-sized hearts um, where, you know, we're supposed to care for one another. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, it is, it's, it's utter madness that, um, this is the state that we're in right now. So again, and, uh, for those listeners who don't know, we talked about men in the battle and women in the battle, and I just want to be a little more clear, um, of what those groups are. Men in the battle was started, um in 2016 four years ago i have to do the math now what year is it 2020 2016 yeah so for a little over four years ago we started this group here in central indiana and it is for men 18 or older who struggle or have struggled with unwanted sexual behavior and uh we started that group at one location and now it has expanded uh at this point here, March twenty twenty. I know some of our listeners may be listening to this later um in the year, but we uh we have ten groups currently uh throughout central Indiana, two groups in uh, eight groups in central Indiana, two groups in, in Iowa. And um it's just um uh so wild the way that God has, has put this together where uh, we have the technology and the means to expand to other locations and men that are inter- interested in doing so. Uh, so we are definitely um, up for expanding and duplicating these groups. And it's, um, you know, the what we do is we we have a, uh, a teaching time that we record on video uh, at uh, one of our locations, one or two locations. And then we have the guys um, talk a little bit about the teaching and do a check-in and and with some time of prayer and that uh that whole process is duplicated by means of just watching the presentation on video and having the same exact meeting uh, that we have at the one or two locations where we film and and so um it's it's been really exciting to see what god has done and the stories of life change that has come from from these groups for men and um And these, you know, these groups here and at this uh, stage with this, this global health crisis, we're at a place where uh, some of our groups may have to meet over Zoom. But uh, again, you know, at least we're connecting, we're getting together and we're not going to live in isolation. So it's just a a few minute version of men in the battle. You want to talk about women in the battle?
1: Yeah. Women in the battle is for women who've experienced sexual betrayal and again, very similar to Men in the Battle in terms of how it's formatted in remote locations. People can have access to a whole video library of different video topics related to sexual betrayal, trauma, recovery. And Wholehearted is a group for women's sexual integrity and women's sex and love addiction. I'm really getting excited to host some different brave Christian women on our podcast who have had their own struggle with Sexual addiction or sex and love addiction. And because this is a huge struggle for many Christian women that we really don't talk about in the church. And we've got to stop having a, a code of silence around that topic for women and assuming that it's only men who are struggling because that's just a lie. Uh, so these groups are really excited. It's exciting that they're meeting in locations. Uh, face-to-face, but what I am really getting excited about as we expand our reach through these podcasts, and just as God expands the reach of our ministry, however he plans to do that, is to start some online groups. And so if you are listening to this and that's something you're interested in, please reach out to us. You can email me at C. it's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-C, at living-truth.org. And Michael at, is Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C at living-truth.org as well. If you're interested in an online group, if you're not in one of the physical locations where we have in-person meetings, because we know that this is a huge need to have support. And um, I would just love to share a few things that I am doing right now that are really helping me with the stress and the anxiety of our changing world, of having children home for at least four weeks from school, and trying to reorient my uh, priorities. Um, for one thing is I am, re- I am reevaluating everything in my calendar. What do I have to keep and what can go? And what I am not going to allow to go is my self-care. This is really important for anybody listening to this podcast who has gone through sexual betrayal and or their own sexual addiction is that... Part of how we get ourselves into a really emo- a big emotional crisis is when we do not care for ourselves. And so, for example, yesterday I took a complete and total break from all work, uh, from all thinking about the coronavirus, from thinking about anything but God and nature. And I went on a run and I had my worship music on and for me running out in nature like it was a beautiful sunny day I just let everything go I take in I drink in the beauty all around me I ran through some woods and by some creeks and just enjoyed the beauty of what I was seeing and enjoyed the movement and getting my heart rate up and burning off some of that extra cortisol and adrenaline from the stress now some of you are sitting here thinking that sounds like torture so, if you don't like running, that's fine. Find I, what...
0: I might be one of those. Right. Uh, but uh, going for a nice hike, you know, slower paced uh, with my hiking boots and stopping to enjoy some of the beauty too. But uh, yeah, that's so interesting. You know, we still can get our needs met. It It's not a cookie cutter approach.
1: Mm-hmm. I've also been using the pause, the one minute pause app from John Eldridge, because I find that to be such a great way to have a guided, break from all the stress and to be, just let go and not have to think about what I'm doing, but to follow his prompts, to turn everything and everyone over to Jesus, to linger in God's presence, to enjoy some deep breathing, which deep breathing actually does help our nervous system shift out of fight and flight and into the parasympathetic response, which is our rest and digest response, where we can Just let go. Oh, my gosh. I've been really enjoying this butterfly hug. If you just get on YouTube and and type in butterfly hug, it's a form of bilateral stimulation where you are actually tapping yourself on either side of the body. You can do that with your hands on your shoulders, with your hands on your collarbones, and you cross your hands in front of you, and so you're tapping your left shoulder with your right Mm. hand and your right shoulder with your left hand. It can be really, really helpful to do some deep breaths and do a butterfly hug to help bring down the stress level, even when you're like in the middle of the chaos of children mm-hmm. running through your house.
0: As long as you're not driving, don't try that. If some of you are driving right now, but uh, no,
1: don't, definitely yeah. don't butterfly hug yourself. You t- it's called
0: driving. a hug because it's kind of like you're hugging yourself in a way, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And some more tools that. Um, I talk about pretty frequently at Men in the Battle too. are writing about it, praying about it, and talking about it. So, journaling and Mm -hmm. uh, praying through. Sometimes it's writing out a prayer. Sometimes it's writing it down, saying it out loud, or just sit free-form prayer. But, um... Uh, sometimes I don't know how I'm feeling until I start writing out what have what's been going on over the past twenty four hours, what have I experienced? and walking through uh, my calendar sometimes is is what I do. But writing about it, praying about it, and then uh, again at our at our groups um, and in other community, whatever that looks like and with with your spouse, you know talking about it, it's so refreshing and interesting how much that it loses its power over you. The anxiety goes down, the stress goes down by just giving, giving it a voice, giving some of the fears a voice and, uh, talking about the craziness, you know, it, uh, it helped me to talk about it just before this podcast. Just, just let out, you know, all the, all the crap that we're, we are going through right now. Uh, but holding it inside, um, It's kind of like uh, holding a beach ball down underwater, you know. Um, As soon as you turn your back, it's going to pop up.
1: Yeah, or try holding two beach balls down at once. Have you ever done that? Yeah. I mean, one beach ball you might be able to manage. You're going to probably like float over onto your back. And it's hilarious (laughs) to do that, right? It's going to pop up out of the water. But try holding down two beach balls, meaning two giant fears and worries. Yeah and or for those of us who are really struggling with anger because of going through betrayal in our in our marriage or perhaps you have the addiction and you have a lot of anger towards somebody who abused you as a child to try to hold that anger in and not deal with it not release it in a productive way is like holding beach balls under the water it doesn't work it only works for so long before it pops right out and becomes like a volcano
0: yeah absolutely
1: so it's totally normal that some of us are going to have some anger responses when we see people maybe out in public doing things that we think they shouldn't be doing and putting other people at risk um, with the virus situation. And I think when we're afraid, a lot of times we end up going into judgment and it's good to acknowledge that and to maybe even do some things to try to address and deal with that anger. For example, I read a blog post recently from a really brave Christian counselor who talked about just losing her crap in the car not while driving but while pulled over and like screaming out loud everything she was feeling she was in the car alone and it was a beautiful thing because she was just being honest and not rational but just saying I hate this and I hate that and screaming it out loud and maybe even pounding her steering wheel with her fist so she was oh, yeah. getting it out instead of holding it in and she was getting it out without hurting anybody. I think as Christians a lot of times we try to push down our anger because we feel like anger is sin. But it didn't it never said in the Bible that anger is sin. Mm. Jesus was angry. There's multiple yeah. times Jesus was angry after Lazarus died.
0: Yeah. It it's, says uh, that.
1: And it just says in your anger do not sin. So how do we allow ourselves to process our anger? Because we're going to have some anger about this whole situation that we're going through right now.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you talked about Jesus and sometimes we read through the Gospels and we kind of blow through some of the text and we don't really realize the... just you know, picture the reality of what that scene looks like when Jesus is walking up to the temple and he overturned tables. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine picking up a table and turning it upside down? Uh, this is a table that has a cash register on it. It has uh, someone's products that they're selling or whatever it is. Yeah, and that
1: doesn't it, seem very loving, Jesus. Oh, wait, but he was love uh-huh. embodied. Yeah. So there's something really interesting when you look at the way Jesus handled his anger and he was without sin. He was holiness embodied.
0: Mm -hmm. But... I'm not, um, entertaining the thought of losing it in front of our kids. You know, certainly it's going to cause some fear. We, um, and, and that's another thing too, all together, we could do several podcasts on that and parenting in this kind of environment, you know, talking your kids through anxiety that they're feeling and so on and, uh, letting them, letting them know that it's okay to, uh, to be afraid. It's okay to talk about it, you know? and and then um you know talk about our faith the faith that we have uh that um yeah, jesus really does have this he he it, it's it's not something that's taking him by surprise uh this was uh he knew about all of this that this was going to occur before way before they created the world so, but um yeah, it's, it's just uh, such a volatile time that we're living in right now. And that's the other thing, too, is we have no idea how long it's going to last. You Put the talked.
1: whole new spin on one day at a time.
0: I was just thinking about the serenity prayer, and yeah. you mentioned that earlier. Where Can you recite some of that living one day at a time, one well, moment at a time?
1: Yeah, no, I was I was more thinking initially about the beginning of it, and I'm going to write an email to our everybody who gets our newsletter. Um, and by the way, listeners, if you don't get our newsletter yet, I encourage you to go to our website, living-truth.org, and sign up for our newsletter. But I, I'm going to write an email to our readers about the serenity prayer and applying it to these volatile times. So um, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, like I cannot change what's going on out in the world or what the lawmakers are deciding or not deciding or whether people are stampeding to get toilet paper. I can't change any of that. Um, But the next line is courage to change the things I can. So I have to think about what can I change Well, I can change mostly just stuff revolving around me and I can try to set different tones in my home and for my children and, request changes in our family rules, but I cannot force my children into obedience. I've tried that. It doesn't work. Um, (laughs) but I, so I, I can change mostly stuff having to do with me, my attitude, my perspective, my hand washing and sanitizing my sleep habits. So I can boost my immune system, my taking vitamin C and things like that. Just real basic how I'm caring for myself and how I am showing up and loving God and loving others. Uh, but the, the next line of that serenity prayer is, is asking God to give us the wisdom to know the difference between the things we can change and the things we cannot. And when I sort out where I am able to have some control And where I am not, it really can bring a lot of serenity, especially if I do that for one moment at a time. There is later in that serenity prayer. It's living one day at a time, one moment at a time. Yeah. Because we really can't do much more. And Jesus said, you know, today has enough trouble of its own. So don't worry about tomorrow. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It also says accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Mm -hmm. What do you think that really means?
1: Oh, my gosh. That is a huge statement and one thing I think is that when we don't experience hardship and I am not saying God is causing hardship I think hardship is a result of sin and brokenness and just a world that is broken but but when we are on easy street we tend to not need God and I yes. do not believe it's the heart of God that this coronavirus is here or that people are suffering. I think we serve a good and kind and loving God. I don't think he is using this to punish us or to try to try to get our attention because I don't think he is a punitive, no, unloving, uncaring God. Mm. I believe he loves us and I believe he suffers with us when we suffer. Mm. But I do believe that he can use the fear, the hardships to draw us closer to himself but he doesn't force that he mm-hmm. allows us like the like the father of the prodigal son he stands there watching and waiting for us to turn our hearts to him and there's often times that we don't turn our hearts to him and we don't receive his peace and enter into union with god unless we feel like we really need him
0: right yeah and so boy, the hard... do we need him now exactly so the hardships. Um build character they we we don't really know what we're made of until it's put to the test and again not that God is testing us but uh, put to the test meaning that you know the sin and the brokenness and things like this virus come and they hit us and uh, out of left field and there's nothing we can do about it we just have to roll with it so it it does grow us Um, sometimes we just have no idea where in our character that we need to work on, you know what we need to work on until we see the flaw come out, you mm-hmm. know, till we see uh, ourselves making mistakes. So, uh, when we do so, I uh, I've learned that the best way to handle that is to go back and make amends, apologize, own whatever it is that I've done and um I'd love to do more of this. I know I don't do this all the time myself, but uh, apologizing, you know, cleaning up the mess. And and then figuring out, why did I behave that way in the first place?
1: So I want to challenge you, uh, dear friends who are listening, it, what do you need today? What do you need to manage your stress? What do you need to not only love your neighbor, but love yourself? Because the verse says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Are you loving yourself well? Are you being gentle with yourself and... Guiding yourself towards increased relaxation or are you just allowing yourself to constantly ramp up with the stress of the world? I am limiting my, definitely limiting my social media intake, but I'm also really limiting my news intake. And I am employing self-care, trying to get some exercise every day, making sure I get eight hours of sleep, drinking tons of water, adding vitamin C into my water, just caring for myself well. And I know I have a long ways to go in terms of managing my stress and not letting it affect the people that I love around me and in being overreactive. Um, but I would want to encha- I want to challenge each of you who are listening to think through what you need and maybe make three. Shifts and changes in the next week to your daily schedule to be able to love yourself well so that you can remove the barriers of stress and strife within you that keep the flow of God from moving freely through you as a channel for his love.
0: Friends, we are so happy that you got to join us for today's podcast one more time I want to say uh, you can look us up at living-truth.org and you can find um, the locations of the groups and so on uh, and all of our contact information there Uh, we'll also put that in the description of this podcast so you can have access to those links as well